Thursday, October 3rd, one week before the Chiefs season opener against the Houston Texans. And we're talking Chiefs on Sportsbeat KC, the podcast, which originated as Sportsbeat Live, the broadcast. Thanks for joining us. And us are Sam Mellinger, Herbie Teope, Sam McDowell, and me, Blair Kirkhoff. NFL teams have to get down to 53, plus a handful on the practice squad on Saturday, and we spent most of our discussion on that topic. We also covered the expected contract extensions of Andy Reid and Brett Veach, and, and stick around for our candy corn question of the week. So let's get going with the Chiefs coverage team. Well, it's a different offseason for everybody, a different preseason for everybody, and that includes us as we come to you on a show called Sports Beat Live. Uh, welcome to the Kansas City Stars video discussion of the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm Blair Kirkhoff host today, and I'm going to introduce our esteemed panelists. You know who they are, but told we have to do it this way anyway. Let's bring in uh, Chiefs beat writer Herbie Teope, took over covering the Chiefs last year in week three, and um, and uh, all of a sudden, Herbie, who went, who went from covering the New Orleans Saints, thinking he had a Super Bowl team in New Orleans, <laughs> ends, up, ends up covering a Super Bowl team in Kansas City. Herbie, how you doing? It's good to see. When's the last time we physically saw each other? I think we have to go all the way back to Miami. It's, it's it might be Miami. I've missed you. Yeah, yeah. Hey, me too. And 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 our chats, that's for sure. Okay, we also, uh, Herbie's beat writing partner, starting his second year covering the Chiefs on a full-time basis. He's been here for a long time, doing the NFL now for his second season, is Sam McDowell. Sam, what's up? What's going on, guys? Good to see you, brother. It was not a coincidence that after we spent the week shacked up with Herbie in an Airbnb that we haven't seen each other for eight months since. I have not missed him, okay? Let, let the record reflect. <laughs> I have not missed McDowell. <laughs> All right. Uh, our, our, our The fourth member of this esteemed, esteemed panel today is Sam Mellinger. Is Sam checked in? Do we even know if he's there? He is. Come on, man. There was some doubt. Hey, uh, I'm just glad that you mentioned where Herbie worked before here. I, I didn't. He was covering the same. <laughs> yeah, let's I can put that on the table before, uh, before we get that out there. Hey, listen, um, it's great to see you guys, and I wish we could do this in person uh, as we did as we did last year. And uh, gosh, Sam, you and Vahe and I. Let, let me. Let me mention to Vaya Gregorian, who will be part of this panel uh, in uh, after after this week. He's taking some time off. He will join us next week for our pregame Sports Beat Live. But um, gosh, we've been doing this now for five, six seasons now. Sam, you and I, and Vahe and, and and others. It's great to have Sam McDowell and Herbie joining us from the beginning of the season. So we got a lot to talk about in this. Um, and on this day, look, it's Thursday, September 3rd. The Chiefs would be playing preseason game number four tonight, right? Mm-hmm. On the original schedule, they're going to play the Green Bay Packers at Arrowhead Stadium tonight. And um, as we know, no preseason football at all this year. And it's going to make for, I think, a really interesting Saturday for uh, Andy Reid, the coaching staff, Brett Feach, the general manager, just uh, in terms of who's going to make the roster, who is not going to make the roster. So let's start there. Herbie, tell us, you know, what not having a – they had a training camp, but no preseason games, and how that's going to impact the 
the uh, the decisions that have to be made. We'll go into the specific position groups here in a moment, but I want to hear what you have to say about just not having the tape, the games, the um, you know the, the the experience for a lot of these guys. What's that's going to what, what will that mean uh, on Saturday for the Chiefs? Yeah, and you're absolutely right, Larry. You have to remember not not just the the shortened training camp, but no preseason games, no OTAs. No mandatory minicamp, no man, uh, rookie minicamp. And all of this is part of the evaluation process leading up to the initial 53-player roster. And, and so the biggest piece that's missing out of the preseason game is people that you wanted to take a hard look at. Because you got to remember, starters don't play a lot during the preseason. Preseason is mostly for those undrafted free agents, your second-year players, your third-year players, that you want to see if they've taken that next step. But you don't have that live action where you can make a, a qualified uh, decision on on certain players. What, it, it hurts, I think, a lot, especially the undrafted free agents. But the Chiefs, thankfully for them, they're in a good spot right now because they returned so many starters from last year. This is a roster that does not have a lot of question marks on it. So I think this 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 actually favors them more so than other teams who had a lot of complete turnover roster turnovers for the Chiefs. You can go into this period and stick with the known as opposed to the unknowns of these undrafted guys. Yeah, and as we know, the Chiefs were, uh, after winning the Super Bowl, the, the, one of the big storylines was, look at all the all the starters are coming back, right? 20 to 22. Now, it's it's not at 22 now. They're not going to line up with, or it's not at 20 now. They're not going to line up with 20 starters from the Super Bowl in their opener a week from tonight against the Houston Texans, but it's a lot. It's a, up to 17, 18. So you're right. I mean, they've got that edge that uh, perhaps other teams don't. I don't know what other teams have in terms of returning veterans experience, but uh, it's hard to beat what the Chiefs have coming back. Now, Herbie, you and, and Sam Mellinger did get to see training camp. I mean, you, Sam McDowell and I and Vahe, we did not get to go out there. So uh, did, did it come off as uh, – uh, what you remembered uh, when you were covering the Chiefs back in the day in St. Joe and Sam, same question to you uh, as you were watching training camp, what um, uh, was it different? Did, uh, did starters get more reps? Did they, were they taking more looks at, uh, at rookies and undrafted free agents? Just, what was the experience like at covering training camp? I think for me, the, the biggest thing you have to, uh, the biggest takeaway from training camp this year was it was, Definitely different from years past because of COVID. You weren't closer to the field, so you weren't able to see a lot of things. Also, Melly will agree with me on this. Our reporting was kind of hampered because you couldn't really say who was lining up where. Uh, As far as reps are concerned, I don't think necessarily so because the starters, the projected starters, they got a lot of reps. And so you got a hard look at those guys. And the second team, think about this, the second team quarterbacks, uh, there were some days where Jordan Tamu, who projects as the fourth quarterback, and even Matt Moore, who projects as the third quarterback, they went days without seeing reps. And I think Andy Reid addressed that when, when Melly asked him the question, hey, Chad Henney seems to be getting a lot of reps. Uh, have you settled that number two? And then Andy Reid says, yeah, Chad Henney is our number two, and we got to get him as many reps as possible because these padded practices were only 14 days. So they had to cram a lot in there. And I think they, they were fast, but, you know, they're under a coaching staff – under Andy Reid, he's a structured kind of guy. So he had a plan in place, and they implemented it. What would yeah. you see out there, Sam? It was, like like Herbie said, like everything in 2020, right? It was different. Um, but some of the things that, that stuck out was just sort of how well Andy Reid runs a training camp. 
Uh, I mean, everything is really fast. Uh, there is a purpose to every minute, to every second. Uh, when one group is working over here, another's working over there, and there's there's a purpose to it all. Um, the the power structure comes across. You know, like we were the way that we were um, standing in. You know, by their practice fields, it was closer to at least one field than than we get in St. Joe, and so you could see a little bit. You know, just sort of subtle things come out a little bit more of, of how little. Andy Reid does a lot of observing during practices. He sees everything. He doesn't do a lot of like direct, you know, sort of what you consider like sort of old school coaching. Like he, he kind of coaches his coaches. Bill Snyder was famous for that of, of letting the assistants do the work. You can really see then those assistants be empowered, right? Um, the, the the assistants earning respect with the players. It's not all on one person. And then it also has the effect of when Andy Reid says something. It's going to ruin your day or it's going to make a day one way or the other. You know what I mean? Because he's got a purpose when he says something that, that you're going to remember for a week. It was it, it was cool to see that way. But mostly um, the thing that I'm going to take away is just I thought there was a lot of energy, um, a lot of energy. There, there was some sloppiness. You know, it's training camp. Some guys are, you know, lined up in the, in the wrong spot, whatever. But there was a lot of energy, um, a lot of, you know, focus, a lot of commitment that came through pretty quick. Hey, Blair, one other thing that I think is is different that we should touch on is how active Brett Veach is during a normal uh, training camp at this time with other teams' guys, guys that he sees in preseason games that maybe that he liked in the draft previously, got to see him on an NFL field, liked what he saw. His first year in 2017, he trades for Reggie Ragland and Cam Irving, both guys on the last year's Super Bowl team. One of them started. Um, 2018, he trades for Charvarius Ward, a potential pro bowl guy we i think we all think he's got that potential well, i know sam thinks he's got the potential <laughs> and then uh last year he trades uh carlos hyde a guy that wasn't going to make the roster for martinez rankin so that's all guys that he traded for around this time that it turned out to make the 53-man roster i don't know if we're going to see him do that this year unless it's just the guy he really liked in the draft that's not going to make another roster because he hasn't been able to his, his team hasn't been able to evaluate those types of guys right now yeah, and not only that, this is a team that just has so much coming back that the Chiefs are just not necessarily in a position to, you know, there, there's a couple of spots, and we'll talk about those, where you'd see, okay, you can you can see them, you know, signing a guy for depth purposes. But but really, when we talk about, when the 53-man roster is announced on uh, whatever time that is, Herbie. Was it Saturday afternoon? What, what Saturday, time? Yep, Saturday by 3 p.m. Okay. I, I just don't know how many names are going to be that different from, you know, from the last 53-man roster of the, of the 2019 season. So, and, and Sam, I, I, I love the point you made about the practices going fast. It was Ricky Seals-Jones who said to the talk to the media the other day and said he, he couldn't believe how fast practice was going. And he was um, the, just, you know, nothing like he had ever experienced in the NFL. So, yeah, that's uh, – Andy Reid made this point, um, and, and he's made it in the past about, like, we don't condition after practice. You know what I mean? Like, we're not running sprints. We're not doing laps or whatever. We're conditioning in practice, and I think that can be an effective way to do it. Yeah, for sure. Hey, listen. Steve Spagnuolo just added to that. Steve Spagnuolo said that, um, and Herbie probably touched on this when he wrote about him. But with Legarius Sneed, a rookie, he told him, "You can't just play fast during the play. You got to be fast between plays." That that's how they they're analyzing how quickly guys are picking things up, how quickly they can move from one thought to another. 
Okay, so we, we are open to questions, as we have as always been. So uh, send them our way. We'll be, try to get to as many of them as we can in the show. Okay, uh, Herbie and Sam McDowell, you guys are on the team on a daily basis. Let's look at some of the specific positions that decisions will have to be made. We'll start on the offensive side. And listen, I've been going to training camps for years wondering, uh, you know, who might start and what kind of position. But I don't see many of those. In fact, I – I can count on, um, on 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 one hand, less than one hand, just the number of – there weren't any, really. I mean, are there just in the secondary? But on the offensive side, when we look at, the, like, the wide receiver position, um, I think we can agree on four for sure, and Byron Pringle maybe is the fifth. Um, how about if they keep a six? A, would they keep a sixth, and who would that be among players like Marcus Kemp and Jody Fortson and Gary Dieter? I think Sam and I were actually talking about this uh, earlier this week. That's six wide receiver spot. Fifth and sixth wide receiver spot comes down to special teams. And what, what was telling to me was when Dave told, when I asked him that question, what are you specifically looking for in your fifth and sixth wide receiver? He specifically mentioned Byron Pringle, who can play gunner. And it, it was it was a, a core special teams contributor last year. He specifically mentioned Garrett Dieter. He specifically mentioned Marcus Kemp. Uh Missing from that conversation was my my media darling throughout camp was Jody Fortune. I, I don't know if Jody did enough on special teams to make this roster. And, and uh, it's unfortunate because Melly will agree with me. He was out there making some fantastic plays, but it's going to be hard for him to crack that roster at the fourth wide receiver position, knowing who's ahead of him. So if it comes down to special teams, I think Pringle is a lock. And now it's going to be a pick between Marcus Kemp and Garrett Dieter. It's the second time that Herbie has spoken for Sam. I'd like him to describe his comfort level in having Herbie speak for him on the show. I'm talking about this Sam, McDowell. I know. <laughs> you and I were talking about that. I can speak for McDowell, his comfort. Is- <laughs> All right. Hey, so we, uh, let's go to the running back position, and I'm, let's look at running back uh, two behind Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. We, we've already had a question about uh, you know his progress in practice. Let's start with that, what you saw from the, uh, the Chiefs' first-round draft pick, and then let's talk about who's lining up behind him. You got, he, he's going to be a star, um, Edwards-Hilaire. He, he's, <laughs> he's, he's got everything. As, as long as he can protect – and, um, you know, he wasn't asked to do that a lot at LSU, but um, I don't think the Chiefs would have drafted him if they didn't believe that he could. And I think he's well aware that um, not just running backs, but anybody employed by the Chiefs, if you don't protect Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> you have no use to this organization. But he, he is so good out of the backfield. He catches everything. Um, he's quick. I mean, we talk about, like, his balance and stuff like that. Um, his horizontal cuts – behind the line of scrimmage, it, it looks like yeah. not quite human. It's it's unbelievable. He's going to be a star. I think if, if we were allowed to report on what we saw out there, it, I would just say it would not surprise me after Clyde Edwards-Alaire if Daryl Williams was the number two running back. And then after him, it wouldn't surprise me if Darwin Thompson was the third. Uh, and I think the Chiefs – if they want to keep Ford, you know, do they keep DeAndre Washington? I think he, he makes sense there. You know, he, he he's close friends with Patrick Mahomes, and, you know, Mahomes might might put a good word in for him. But to me, the top three project as Edwards Allaire, uh, Daryl Williams, and Darwin Thompson. Okay. Let's uh, – let's, 
you know, other questions. How about tight end three? That's you know, I think we're all agreeing that Nick Kaiser is going to be tight end two, and and just the status of uh, Dion Yelder. Has uh, he missed the whole camp with the injury? Yeah, he missed all. He he didn't suit up until after camp was over. He remember fourteen days of padded practices, and he dealt with a with a groin injury, so he's behind. Uh, Ricky Seals Jones also missed time with a with a leg injury, but at least he returned. To action and they signed him to a one-year deal during free agency. I, I think Kaiser is the guy that you want as your blocker, and then Ricky Seals Jones is your other receiving option should something happen to Travis Kelsey. Okay, let's switch over to the defensive side. We've had some questions about the cornerback. Uh, I can understand understandable with Bashard Breeland out for the four-game suspension. Um, how are the Chiefs going to line up at cornerback and? Is this a, p- a place possibly that Brett Veach might be, you know, looking around on Saturday night for for some help? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of think that the the Breland absence to me is a little bit overrated because it's four games. You're talking about a team that wants to compete deep into the playoffs for the Super Bowl. You can live without a player for four games. But they are going to have to live without him in some form or fashion that's different, a lot different than last year because – when you look at how many guys they have returning, cornerback is probably the one spot that they, the, they're missing guys. And when you talk about Breland's absence and now you're talking about, you know, you already lost Kendall Fuller. Um, so I, I think they're going to keep Fenton in the slot. That's probably what makes sense. If that's where you project him to play all season, why move him to the outside for just a month only to move him back? Um, so, you know, that leaves guys that don't have a lot of snaps at cornerback to play there, which is Antonio Hamilton um, which they got for the Giants mostly because of his special teams work, not because of how he plays a cornerback, and uh, Legereus Sneed, a, a rookie. So there's going to be some questions for sure for the first four weeks. And, Blair, you're probably right. I mean, absolutely. I, I think that uh, Brett Veach and his crew are going to be looking around to, to see if there's any of those guys that, that don't make rosters on Saturday. I think when they're in a 4-3 base, it wouldn't surprise me. I'm going to use that phrase a lot here. It wouldn't surprise me in a 4-3 base. They stuck with Fenton outside. And then when they go into the multiple sub packages, like Sam mentioned there, Fenton has the versatility to play inside and outside. You slide Fenton into the slot, and then their fourth-round draft pick, Legereus Sneed, who flashed a lot at camp. You know, I think that he can probably play outside. There was one play in particular that really caught all our attention during training camp, and we know he's fast. He, he clocked, I believe, a 4.37 40-yard dash uh, at the Combine. Tyreek Hill on a, during team drills took off down the, the left sideline, and there was Snead. He was hanging with him, and he made a, an exceptional play by knocking the ball away from, you know, Patrick Mahomes lofted it deep, and Snead made up ground and knocked it away. So, but he's kind of raw. I think he's kind of raw, and I don't know if you want to trust him on the outside all the time, and that's where Antonio Hamilton can come into play. Hey, while we're in the secondary, is Juan Thornhill going to be ready? I think he will. And here's the, the big thing. Andy Reid always mentioned that they were going to ramp him up, okay? And, and after he came off the putt list, uh, after recovering from the ACL surgery, they started him off seven-on-seven seven drills. Then he went to uh, running with the twos during nine-on-sevens. And then their last practice, which was streamed live to everyone, and everyone saw it, he was with the ones during 11-on-11. So I think he will be ready. Okay. I'll tell you, it, it, it probably in the grand scheme of things isn't a, a big deal, but I'm really interested in defensive end. I mean, I think we can agree that Frank Clark, Alex Okafor, Passigno, Taco Charlton, you know, on the roster. Did they keep 
Did they keep six? And if they do, did they or did they keep five? Did they keep six? Uh, is, is Breland Speaks uh, a, a possible surprise cut? Mike Dana, what's with him? I mean, what? Uh, how, how far? How deep do they go with defensive end? And uh, how do you break it down? Well, with defensive end, this is going to be an interesting dilemma for the Chiefs. Because I don't think you can never have enough guys who can get after the passer. And Passanio gives you the flexibility to also play inside because he did that last year. But I think um, Melly would agree with me on this. They gave Dana a hard look out there. And there were times, and I'm going to slip up here, and forgive me, Chiefs, if you're watching this, but there were times when Dana did run with the one. So that was kind of, kind of an eye-opening experience to me until Dana got hurt. But – they clearly like him. You know, he, he was rotating in there with their sub packages. So Dana is certainly at the top of the discussion list for me. And you, you mentioned somebody too, Blair, uh, Breland speaks um, that yeah. uh, you said surprise cut. Um, it depends on your level of surprise, I guess. But, um, <laughs> yeah. That's a position that they have really prioritized depth and they've added a lot of guys and you just wonder, I know where they drafted him, right? We all know where they drafted him uh, a few years back, but that might be a guy that, um, you know, just becomes hard for him. There's another player you forgot to mention too, Blair, Damone Harris. He returns from last year's roster, and he's also at defensive end. So you've got a lot of choices to pick from here. Do you keep five or do you keep six? And who's the odd man out? And it's going to be interesting to see what happens on Saturday. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Okay, let's let's make sure we have all the defensive bases covered here and talk about linebacker quickly. In, in the base package, Herbie, who uh, would you be surprised if um, who who we're going to see starting uh, in in the base defense three linebacker position? If, yeah, in the in the Chiefs four three base defense, I would not be surprised one bit if Ben Neiman opens up as a starter alongside Anthony Hitchens and Damian Wilson. Um, thankfully, the Chiefs did say you know they kind of let it slip during a lot of our, our Zoom press conferences that Neiman has been running with the ones and folks who watched. The, the live stream on Saturday, there was Neiman out there with the ones. Willie, and I think this makes perfect sense, okay? We, we already mentioned at the top of the show the lack of the offseason workout program. And if we remember last year, the defense didn't get comfortable in Steve Spagnuolo's scheme until probably the midpoint of this year. So if you don't have the reps that Willie Gay needs, their, their highly touted second-round pick, he's already behind the curve here because he had to hit the ground running during training camp. So it makes perfect sense if Neiman starts off and then eventually you work in Gay because Gay is a game changer. Gay can do a lot of things that Ben Neiman athletically can't. So it, it makes sense that you start off with Neiman and eventually ease in Gay. He did. One, one other thing about Gay, too, um, he, he pops up. I mean, you, you can see the speed. And um, a lot of times with a fast linebacker, you don't see the willingness or the ability to hit between tackles. 
and and he can do that as well. It just it, it looked to me, um, Herbie, tell me if I'm right or wrong, but it, it looked to me like they were comfortable giving him more and more as camp went on too. They they were progressing him fairly aggressively. I mean, he's going to be a major part of what they do this year. Yeah, absolutely. Because remember when Damian Wilson missed a couple of days with an injury? Well, can't say if he ran with the ones, but it wouldn't surprise me if he was in there in, in Damian Williams, Damian Wilson's spot. We'll get into this in a bigger way next week when we do a pregame uh, show. But uh, we, we've been asked if this uh, – can we expect this Chiefs defense to start the year um, in, in a position, you know, maybe maybe a top half of the NFL defense, the way they finished last year? Remember how how much it uh, how much time it took the Chiefs defense just to get their act together, really under you know under Spagnuolo, who was in his first year. Can we see improvement from the beginning of the season with this Chiefs defense? I think that makes sense logically. You know, if you just look at who's back and the coaching staff, and they, they didn't turn over a sing, single assistant coach. Um, you know, didn't leave. So, you know, the, and that was a that was a thing too. I know we talked about this, but I don't know if it was, you know, as big a part of you know sort of Chiefs fans thinking as maybe it should have been. Is that it wasn't just about the players learning a new system with Spagnuolo. It was, it was those coaches learning the players and and where they can fit in as well. Um, that it, it's sort of it's it's a two way deal. Um, there's a lot of, you know, look, I'm a numbers guy. Um, the numbers say that there's so much variance in year to year from on defense that it, it's hard to take what happened one year and apply it to the next. But th- that thinking is very logical. You know, if you look at what, what was it, week eight or nine, game eight or nine, if you start the clock there on the second half of the season, um, you know, they were giving up less than 20, way less than 20 points a game. Uh, I, I don't know if they can get to that. Uh, but they've got the players to do it. They've got the depth to do it. And, and here's another thing that, that gets forgotten sometimes is they were doing that with the depth that defensive end, the depth that pass, pass rush, you know, really being challenged with injuries to, you know, Okafor and Ogba and all these other guys as well. I also think, Blair, that they've got better preparation than any other team does this offseason because they're playing against – when you don't have preseason games, I mean, you don't you, – the only teams you're seeing are, is your own team. And there's some teams right now that I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Jacksonville's defense just going against Jacksonville's offense for 14 padded practices, and how prepared they're going to be for Week One right now. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, all right, let's uh, let's switch topics. Uh, look for uh, the coverage of Herbie. You going to project the 53, by the way, or are we going to see some uh, projections coming up here in the next day? Yeah, or two? absolutely. Once we get read tomorrow, that's yeah. on my menu. Very good. All right. Um, so nothing official with with Andy Reid and Brett Veach, but um, it's, it's been strongly suggested that they are uh, on the cusp of contract extensions. It, that news came out or the speculation came out earlier this week. I, I wasn't surprised at all. In fact, Herbie, I know you were kind of um, you were so not surprised by it that you would ask uh uh, was it, who, who'd you ask earlier the week? Was it Reed Clark about Hunt. Clark, uh, Clark, Clark, Clark Hunt? Clark Hunt, yeah, Clark Hunt about it. Um, on I think we had him on Saturday, so not a surprise here. Uh, and if if the speculation is true, six years, additional six years for Andy Reid and for Brett Feach. Uh, before I throw it out to the uh, to the group, I'll I'll say that I remember the last time Andy Reid uh, received a contract extension. Do you know what else happened on that day? Yeah. Yeah. The GM did not receive an extension. (laughs) He received the opposite of a contract (laughs) extension. That's right. John Dorsey was fired that day. So um, 
most um, unsurprising news of the Chiefs offseason to see Andy Reid and Brett Feach get extended, Sam? Yeah, I mean, and, and not just that. Um, it was interesting that the uh, Brett's extension, he took less in, in exchange for guarantee mechanisms to make sure that Brent Tillis could, could also stay on as long. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, um, but that kind of leads uh, to the question. I, I don't know what we felt about Andy Reid's longevity with the Chiefs before going into last season. I mean, we Patrick Mahomes coming off an MVP year, fifty touchdowns, five thousand yards. We know Andy Reid. You know, he loved coaching Alex Smith, then he coached him successfully, and then Patrick Mahomes has the MVP year. Still hadn't won a Super Bowl, but I don't know if I was thinking you know, another six years or seven years at the time for Andy Reid, maybe three or four. Um, it, does, does Patrick Mahomes just change Andy Reid's outlook on, on coaching longevity? Oh, heck yeah. Don't forget, I asked Andy Reid that question uh, just a couple of months ago and his response, doggone, hurry, let's do it. So, yeah, ab- absolutely, I think it changes everything. And, and it wasn't just Mahomes. Reid mentioned – Tyron Matthews specifically as well. When he said these two young guys, you know, when you have them in the building, you're energized. And then will he last until he's in his, as I called it, his young seventies? I think he will. You know, if Mahomes is around for the long haul and they're still winning and he's loving what he's doing, why wouldn't you do it? Andy Reid has always, I mean, he's different, Um, you know, to last this long, as a coach and, um, and to have the success, consistent success over that period of time. And, um, you know, if you think about everything that happened in 2012 with him and the Eagles and, you know, the, the disaster it was on the field, the unthinkable tragedy that he was dealing with off the field and he kept coaching, you know what I mean? He kept, he kept right. through that. This is a guy that I don't, I wasn't going to say he needs the job, but I mean, he, he, he lives this, he feels it in his bones just in a different way. And if you, if you last that long and then you get this gift of, you know, not just this unicorn quarterback, but everything that's, that's around him. I mean, aren't you just like eating vegetables and, you know, <laughs> do everything you can to be as healthy as you can. Not turning your video screen dark. <laughs> yeah. Just to be with that guy for as long as you can. I, absolutely. Yeah. So Andy's, uh, he's 62, right? Uh, this yep. would uh, take him through the, 2025 season and and who knows what because Patrick Mahomes is signed through the the 31 season. Um, it's been just a kind of the 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 exclamation point on what I think has been an incredible off season for for the Chiefs in terms of making the numbers work to get uh, to get all their stars signed. Um, okay, we have come to what I, I think we'll call the candy corn part of our show. <laughs> the candy corn. Where, uh, where, our, where our panelists um, get to tell us a little bit something about themselves that you may not otherwise have known. And I thought we'd start it off this week in honor of Labor Day uh, coming up this weekend. It's Labor Day for everybody except uh, people who are in the NFL and cover the NFL because it's, uh, it's just another uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I guess Saturday would be off if I, if I understand the, the schedule right. Sunday, Monday or our work days for the Chiefs and then those who cover the Chiefs. But in honor of Labor Day, I wanted to ask each of these guys um, their uh, the best – not the best, but the worst job they ever had, or maybe it's the first job that they ever had, whatever's a more interesting 
response. So um, I uh, let, let's start with Sam McDowell. How about that? The, the worst or the first job you ever had, Sam? Both of mine are probably the same answer. Um, I worked on a construction crew for a summer. It was actually a cleanup crew. So between every phase of building a house, we had to go in there and pick up nails and trash and everything, everything you could imagine. And it was, it, it you know, we've, our, our crew fit the cliche as well to where, um, one, one or two guys working and, and four or five guys eating a five hour lunch, which <laughs> made it thoroughly enjoyable. So, um, that, that, what well, that, that's probably about all I got on that, but, but hot summers in Kansas city doing that. I, I did it for one summer and I asked back the next year and absolutely did not want to do it in the second year. What'd, what'd you get paid? I think I got paid $9 an hour. I think I got a raise to maybe $10 an hour, like halfway through. Not bad. Not bad for a first. Not, 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 not terrible, but um, not worth it. Not, not enough. <laughs> All right, Herbie. See, I actually had to think about this one because, you know, we were, we were texting about this earlier, and then I remember, you know, Melly was giving me crap saying – you never had a job. You never had to stock shelves at Walgreens when you were in high school. I was like, no, I didn't work in high school. But then I remembered when I was in like sixth or seventh grade, I actually had a paper route. So I was a, I was a paper boy for one summer, and I learned how to chuck the papers and porch it, and that lasted about one summer. So there you go. That was my first ever job, and second job was counting candy corn. <laughs> <laughs> what paper were you chucking? Uh, the Virginia Pilot. No, Norfolk, Virginia. Very yeah. good. Very good. All right. I, uh, Herbie may have blown your cover here, Sam. But uh, uh, what was? Uh, how about you? Yeah, first I mean, or worst? The only money that I've ever made in my life that has not come from this was mowing lawns as a kid, which I loved. I love mowing lawns. I still love mowing lawns uh, and stocking shelves at Walgreens. It wasn't just um, that they made you wear like khakis and a long sleeve and a tie under your stupid ass vest. Um, <laughs> Like, I don't mind stocking shelves or whatever. Like, that was fine. But um, the air conditioning broke, or at least it did back in the, in, in the back for a while. And this was the summer between my senior year of high school and freshman year of college. So that stunk. And then I got called up to the, uh, you know, I got the, I got the, the promotion, I guess, uh, to do the register. Ooh. I remember this. woman comes up and she, I mean, you can just tell she's mean. Like, she just had this look on her, just this mean woman. And um, she bought a bunch of stuff, like groceries. And you know that string cheese that you get, like, usually for kids, uh, like, pulls off? Oh, yeah. And she got a bunch of packets of those. And for some reason, I don't remember exactly, but they were ringing up. Each one of those little packages was ringing up at, like, $10 or something. And they, they needed to be, like, 99 cents. And somebody just messed up the decimal or whatever. And uh, so, you know, ring it all up. And I'm like, okay, your total is, you know, $204 and 61 cents. And she just looks at me. She's like, what? And I like, just point at the screen. It says, and she was like, let me see that. And she was like, this string cheese is not $10. It's supposed to be a dollar. And I'm just, I'm checked out. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just like, do you want the cheese or not? You know, <laughs> she's like, no, not that price. I was like, manager to register for or whatever. I just, I was so checked out. I hated it. It was terrible. Did you give her any candy corn as a consolation prize? I'm not that mean. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mine was uh, – I was 14 years old, and uh, I was an umpire at a Little League, little league uh, field. So you got 
you got four dollars for behind the plate and two dollars on the bases, and we did like <laughs> <laughs> like like two or three games a game, uh, three three games a day, and paging cash before you even got back on your bike to go home. So that was. Um, did you ever toss anybody? I didn't toss anybody, but I had a I had a coach who had had a little too much to drink come out and try to toss me into a trash can once. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. That, that yeah. that's got to be full full story's got to be told on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the names will be changed to protect the innocent. But, uh, uh, but I was right. I mean, it was just, it was a you know bang bang play at first base. I was on the bases. I was right. Um, he disagreed. He had been drinking uh, brown liquor, and I could tell from the because he was spitting it in my face uh, <laughs> while he was arguing. And I told him it was enough, uh, n- no more, and turned my back and walked away as I was told to do. Right, and he kept following me and yelling at me, and uh, uh, and I actually felt him grab me by the uh, mm. by the belt, uh, the, the waistpants. Like mm. I, I, I spun around, and that's when I threw him out of the, I threw him out of the game. And he, he did leave. Then one of his coaches came and got him. So that was uh, I was I was fortunate that, that happened. So, oh. so. that is a great story. But I I love how twice in the first ten seconds of it you pointed out that you were correct on whatever transpired. Because <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you listen to it, it plays it first, right? You just, it's a sound thing. You listen to the ball hit the glove, and then the you know the foot on the bag. And anyway, that's uh, we'll let Rex Huddler tell those stories. Um, all right, so one other thing I want to ask you. So no preseason football. And, um, Sam, I know that uh, McDowell, uh, you didn't cover preseason football for the, with, with the Chiefs last year. You started, if I, if I understand, I'm right about that, right? You were not on the – Yeah. Didn't go to, and, and, Herbie, you were in New Orleans. I bring that up again only to say that uh, <laughs> that uh, Melly and I and Vahe would have been the only three that would have gone to Chiefs preseason games last year. But, but you have memories, of course, of preseason games. And – and Herbie, you covered preseason games for the Chiefs before last year. So I'm just wondering if you, you know, what did we miss by not having preseason football? Were there any games, moments, or storylines from preseason football games uh, that uh, that we missed? And since, since I went last last time, I'll, I'll go first this time and say uh, two years ago in Atlanta, uh, we got to see the strength of Patrick Mahomes' arm uh, in, in a preseason game. I remember – they're playing the Falcons. The uh, Atlanta had left their, or the, the Chiefs had left their first team defense or offense on the field. The Falcons were the two defense, and uh, so it was an easy, it was easy pickings. Tyreek Hill just got behind the defense, but my gosh, I don't know if, if Mahomes has thrown a ball farther in a game than he did that night in the uh, uh, in the Mercedes Benz Stadium. It was unbelievable, and we were sitting in a press box that was. Kind of the play was coming at us at the angle, and I thought the ball was going to come up to the press box. That's how hard he threw it, how far he threw it. <laughs> that, is that when Tyreek twerked too? Yeah, I was going to say you left out a very key part of that that <laughs> sequence. <laughs> he did twerk. The other thing that happened in that game, I hope I'm not stealing anybody's thunder here, is that Ben Neiman got a pick six, and that was as a rookie. And I just remember thinking at that time, you know, this guy's just a little bit more than you know, just another body on a team. He's he's got a chance to to make it and. Uh, this was a couple years ago. So, um, how about you, Melly? You remember any any preseason moments? Yeah, um, two. Like one from that same game, um, Mahomes threw like a third and fifteen, like on an out route. I forgot who the receiver was, and it was just as good as a football can be thrown. And it was, you know, sort of like next level. You know, not just we saw the raw brute, you know, seventy yards in the air, but that to me showed like some some mental to go along 
with it on that play. Um, the one that stands out uh, from last year, did they play the Bengals in the preseason at Arrowhead? Uh, it, it, it was There was a game. Anyway, it was, it was at Arrowhead, and Mahomes in a preseason game <laughs> – like stayed in bounds to try and like go for the end zone. Do you remember this? And he yes. got yeah. freaking rocked. And, you know, when that happens, I feel like the whole stadium and certainly the press will go, what, you know, what is he doing? And, uh, you know, after that, he's like, you know, yeah, next time I need to get down, but it, it brings, this comes to mind in part because somebody asked the question to Patrick about what, what's lost with, with no preseason games. And that was the one thing that he mentioned is, you know, sort of getting, you, you get your first hit in in the preseason, and a lot of football players think that's how they get ready for the ready for the real the real stuff. And now that's going to happen, you know, Thursday against the Texans at some point instead of you know in some completely meaningless preseason game. I think against the Bengals. Maybe I'm wrong about that last year. How about you, Sam McDowell? Well, one Mahomes play, and then I guess one sort of non-Mahomes thing. Um, the the year that Mahomes was a rookie. Before he, when it, you know, he was obviously going to be backing up Alex Smith. He had a play where he rolled out to his right, and I, I think it was definitely a play that Alex Smith just gets rid of the ball, and probably twenty nine of, of the thirty two other quarterbacks probably do the same. But he threw the ball about forty five yards downfield. Demarcus Robinson caught it, and just the reaction from the bench was the reason that stood out to me because the, those guys were like. We've been seeing this in practice all training camp, and now he just did it in the game. And I think they realized we've got something special in the future here. Um, The second one was Justin Houston had a breakout game in the preseason his rookie year after it seemed like he – and this was before my time on the beat, but all the reports were he was not having a great camp. And then he broke out for – I think it was three sacks in a preseason game. And who who knows, maybe maybe that's kind of what got him going that year. How about you, Herbie? You want any Saints stories – Melly, <laughs> unfortunately, I haven't. I will say this. I'll preface it with this because you mentioned Mahomes twice here. We, we heard Patrick Mahomes' name twice, and I was robbed of not watching him in the preseason. But I, I think we made up for it during training camp. Uh, these these ridiculous, insane throws, and I'm going crazy standing over there. And I would look over at Melly, and I'm like, did you see that? And I'm like, yeah, we're used to that now. <laughs> but that was, this was my first time ever seeing that live, and it was it was just sick. And I and I, I missed out on that with preseason for Chiefs games. But you know, going around in my first time on the beat, you know, I can bring up names like Frankie Hammond, your Fred Williams, Weston Dressler, guys like that who were training camp studs and preseason studs, and then Final Fifty Three came along and practice squad they went. But so that, that, those are my preseason stories. I tell you, I remember another one. Uh, I remember Russell Wilson's breakout game yeah. was yeah. at Arrowhead Stadium. Yeah. Uh, I just couldn't believe. I think he played the third quarter because uh, he was he didn't wasn't starting, and I just, oh my gosh, this guy's unbelievable. And uh, that's, uh, I, I just remember he was jaw dropping good in, in that game against the Chiefs. Um, I can't remember what his rookie season would have been, but it was a uh, it was an Andy Reid coach team. So. Wasn't that a year where the Chiefs needed a quarterback, and there were like. 15 taken like before him or something. There was some, some sort of weird stat. I don't know. Mellinger's used it in an article before. Yeah, they, they, they took Donald Stevenson with the pick immediately before Russell Wilson. Ah, <laughs> uh, there you go. Oh, 2012. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. We have, uh, uh, I think we have completed the task here today, and uh, we're really happy to be back. It's great seeing you guys. I wish we could do it in person. 
but we'll continue to do it this way for the foreseeable future. Uh, this is the promo part of the show. Um, on Sunday, you're going to get uh, in your Kansas City Star a football section that is terrific. It, I can call it a football section. It's about football, but it's specifically about the Chiefs. It's a Chiefs section. All um, Sam Herbie and Sam and Vahe, Pete Gradhoff, a lot of good stuff in, in, that, uh, in that football section. Be sure to pick up a copy where you pick up the Kansas City Star. Sam, tell us about the podcast on Friday. It is now available to the masses. Yeah, yeah, the competing podcast with Sportsbeat Kansas City. But we, uh, yeah, I'm actually working on it today. Uh, we're going to talk a little Mondesi, going to talk a little Chiefs audio from either Mahomes or Reed or both. I haven't decided yet. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. The feedback has always been like content good, delivery terrible. And it was like, the, there's no way, there's no good way to do a podcast behind a paywall. So I'm excited that, that we're out in front now, um, available to everybody. Um, it, it should be good. If you haven't tried it, please do. Absolutely. Best once a week podcast produced by the Kansas City Star. <laughs> Which is a good time to remind you to tune into Sportsbeat KC, uh, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast, of which all these guys appear. I'm so grateful to them for uh, lending their talents and voices to this to the daily sports podcast. So, uh, guys, enjoyed it. We will do it again next week and every week throughout the season. Thanks to Beth Welsh as well as always and. We are out of here for today. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, Randy Mason, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Sam Mellinger, Sam McDowell, and Kirby Teope for stopping by and talking Chiefs. Earlier in the episode, you heard me talk about the Sports Pass offer. It still stands and still a good one, 30 bucks for a year's worth of sports coverage, and that includes the Sports Extra that comes with the E-Edition. There's more than 50 additional pages of national sports coverage today. Well, here's an even better offer. Buy the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. That's account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports Beat KC, the podcast, and Sports Beat Live. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Friday with another podcast. Mm-hmm.